you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. We're going to cover the last few verses of the chapter this afternoon. Um, uh, just blanked on what I was going to say, but uh, the title of the sermon uh, this, uh, this afternoon is Evaluating Your Life's Activity. Uh, there's a, this is a passage of scripture that I'm guessing many in the room uh, are familiar with a couple of verses uh, at which we're going to be looking at tonight. Uh, James 4, uh, verses, uh, verse 14, as well as um, uh, the end of the chapter, uh, verse... Uh, sorry, I'm trying to find where my actual... Uh, man, this is what happens. There's not, no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> I need prayer tonight, this afternoon. Um, Let's go ahead and read through the passage of Scripture this afternoon, and uh, we'll dive in. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. I'm sorry, that's chapter 5. No wonder I couldn't find my right verse. Um, chapter 4, verse 13 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. The story is told of a, a man tells a story about, his, uh, I believe this is actually Warren Wearsby, he said this, One Memorial Day, our family traveled in several cars to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, for the day. My wife Barbara and I traveled in the glorious role of grandparents with three of our other grandchildren, three of our grandchildren strapped into the back seat. As we drove along a major highway, a white car coming the opposite direction accelerated as he attempted to pass the car in front of him. There was no room, but instead of braking, he accelerated even more, so that he was coming right at us at about 70 miles per hour. We were skidding, and I thought, this is it. Then he accelerated even more, whipped onto the shoulder to the right of my car on our side of the road, missing me and the two cars behind me, and then careened back across the center line to his side of the road, apparently never taking his foot off the accelerator. He says, I was numb, my wife was in tears, and the children were terrified, but we were all alive. A second more, and I think all five of us would have been dead. That could very easily have been the end of our lives. But the truth is, death could come to us, any of us, any day, for we do not even know what will happen tomorrow. And I'm sure many of us could give illustrations of something similar to this. I know myself, I can. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, traveling back and forth to Calvary Midland from Houghton Lake, uh, my junior year of high school, I uh, fell asleep at the wheel on US 127 and hit a guardrail slash cement barrier underneath one of the overpasses and bounced off and woke up at the moment I hit it. Um, and by God's grace, I was okay. Uh, clearly, I'm standing here. Um, and you would think this is a bad, you'll never let me drive any of your kids anywhere. But again in high school, the, the following year, coming back from Midland, about same general area, almost home. I was during the winter. I fell asleep, went off the left side of the road, 
heard the snow and my sister screaming in the car and I uh, was able to eventually almost get the car back up on the road. And this time I wasn't as much scared as I was really, really upset that I, in essence, I was almost responsible for killing my sisters. Um, life is short. Life is brief. And it's important for us to see this afternoon that, that we need to make sure, as, as really James is consistently going on through here, we're going to see that the concept of selfish ambition, of pride, of arrogance, again, comes up in this passage. And, and it comes up, and, and James uses it uh, with a different, uh, a little bit of a different flavor as far as how it manifests itself. You know, we, we, we so struggle to go through life letting God control our lives. Letting, letting God have first place. God has a plan for each of our lives. And all too often, too many Christians look on the will of God as bitter medicine they must take instead of seeing it as the gracious evidence of the love of God. Now, to, the, to those of us who are here this afternoon, I'm going to take a guess that that's not as much true. I don't know where you are and, and how you see God working in your life and how he is leading and guiding in your life. But there's a, a, an individual that said this. He said, I would give my life to the Lord, but I'm afraid. A perplexed teenager told him at a church youth conference. So he asked him, what are you afraid of? I'm afraid God will ask me to do something dangerous. And he replied to this young man, this teenager, the dangerous life is not in the will of God, but out of the will of God. The safest place in the world is right where God wants you. Now, tonight's sermon is not on what God's will for your life is, necessarily. Um, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that you need to buy a house, or buy a car, or not buy a car, sell a car, those kinds of things. But what James really is going to be getting at here is really helping us to evaluate how we are living our life, the activity of, of what we are doing, and is the activity in our life that which God wants and, uh, and is pleased with? Because really the main principle this evening is this, that life is short. Stop living self-sufficiently and trust God. I know when I was going in between ministries, I struggled with this truth. <laughs> I did. I, I really struggled when we left Illinois. Specifically, the second half of that. The last part, trusting God. It's amazing when God puts you through trials, puts you through certain aspects of life, certain things in life, you start questioning, God, what do you want me to do? And, and, and so often we want some type of sign in Scripture, whether we say this or not, we, a lot of times we know that God doesn't do this, but we want some neon sign to come off the pages of Scripture and tell us exactly the X's and O's, so to speak, of the Christian life. Literally, the okay, me being, a, to use a sports analogy, you need to run your route this direction because that's what's going to benefit us the most. And speaking of, of football and things like that, that's the, where the analogy comes from. But the truth that life is short is something we need to grapple with on a daily basis. If we understand and we really grapple with the fact that life is short, you know, in the, in the light of eternity, we, we're not around very long. 
I joke around with Liz all the time that I'm two years from being 40. And she hates it when I say that. I don't know why, but she gives me a hard time. Hate's probably too strong of a word. But she gives me a, a really hard time when I say, hey, yep, the girls were asking me, how old are you going to be next year? I'm like, 39. Only, only a year away from 40. Halfway dead. And for whatever reason, Liz doesn't think that's very funny. But, um, you know, you look at the average lifespan of a, of a male in the United States of America, and I'm halfway uh, to heaven. So it's, it's, do we genuinely look at life, at the fact that we could go at any time? Now, I don't know how many in the room, maybe many of you have, read the book by John Piper, Don't Waste Your Life, which he bases on this passage of Scripture, that book, much of the information in that book, or the basic premise of it. And yeah, we shouldn't waste our lives, and I, I'm not going to entitle the message that tonight or anything like that. But we need to be evaluating our lives. You know, James earlier tells us to live with a certain kind of a wisdom. He tells us to live with wisdom that is pure, peaceable, gentle, in chapter 3, verse 17, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. Living with an attitude of self-reliance and self-sufficiency is not living according to this, with this wisdom. It's not matching the attitude and mindset that we're told in Philippians 2.5 that says, have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus, having the mind of Christ. So we're just going to walk through these verses and see what James has to say about how we are to live, how we're to, our life's activity is to look. First of all, we see in verse 13 a picture that James gives of our self-sufficient attitude. He says in verse 13, he's writing to them and he's saying, Come now you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. James here is, is talking to the, in writing, he's saying now, there are those who are saying that they go and do these things, that they go and they, they at some point in the near future, they're going to go to this city and they're going to stay here and they're going to do this and they're going to do this business and, and perform and, and do work and, and make money and, and things like that. Now James is not here saying that it's bad that these individuals are going to go make a profit. He's, he's just simply saying to them, as he flows into verse 14 that we'll see here in a minute, but he's given this picture that the, there, there's no, based on context, we see that they're not including God in the picture. And if you think about what James has been talking about, and really a common theme is what? The arrogance and pride of those who are not living righteously. And he's, and he's challenging them, like, listen, God has got to be in the picture. It's not just, it, it doesn't matter completely what you want. If we live life without God in the picture at all, things are not going to spiritually be beneficial for us. There are some assumptions that we can make indicating ignorance here in verses 13 and 14. First of all, you can see there's, there's, we often have our own timing. You know, we often do things, I know when I was in between ministries and I, I had my own idea of when I wanted things to happen. I had an idea of where I, how I went, when I wanted to be in a ministry, how long I wanted, to, uh, to, I wanted the whole process to go. 
And needless to say, none of it actually went the way I wanted it. We often have the wear of our activity and work. We, we often choose the duration of activity and work. How long? The, we also see, we choose what our activity and work is, the what of what we're going to do. And we choose our own pursuit. When I was a youth pastor out in Washington State, uh, there's a girl in our church who had everything figured out. She, uh, by her senior year, she, she knew where she, where she was going to go to college, what her major was going to be, what she was going to get her advanced degree in, how many years after graduating she was going to get married, and the general area she, was, she would be working at within 10 years of graduating. So as she graduated, her plans within two years of college basically went away. She changed her major within her first two years of college. She ended up, and now she's, praise the Lord, by the way, she's serving the Lord, so this isn't a bad story. Um, she is living for the Lord, which is exciting. But what I'm getting at is, by using this illustration, is that here's a girl who, yeah, it wasn't wrong that she had all these things planned out. But I even challenged her, I was like, and I, I was like, how much time have you spent praying and asking God for wisdom in all of this? Or is all of this what you want? Now, sometimes what God places on our hearts is what we want, right? Hopefully that's what we want. But we need to make sure that God's in our plans. Because what does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tell us? To trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him and He will direct our paths. When it comes to, to living our life and making decisions, we need to let God be at the forefront of our decision making. And this is where James flows into the fact, not just the picture, kind of giving us a picture of, of a self-sufficient attitude. There's these individuals who are saying, hey, we're going to go here, we're going to do this and this and this and make a profit. And then verse 14, he flows into this and he, we see the arrogance of these individuals in verse 14. Verse 14 says, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. He's saying, listen, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So don't get all up on your, and, and have this arrogant way of looking at life saying, this is what I'm going to do and no one's going to get in my way. This is what I'm going to do. I, I've got these plans. I'm going to lay this out. It is complete and utter arrogance to plan without God. You and I don't know what tomorrow holds. I would have never thought that I would be at First Baptist Church of Sterling Heights. In fact, I remember... How old is the building, the auditorium? I know I should probably know this after being here for four and a half years, but roughly 25, almost 30 years or something like that. I don't know, none of you would have remembered me probably, but I was here for the dedication. My dad and I, my mom and I, our family was down here for the dedication of this auditorium. I would have never told you, oh yeah, I think I'll be an assistant pastor there. In fact, of all the, this isn't anything negative about the church here, but of all the churches in Michigan, this is not the one I would have thought I would have been at. I didn't really have any connections, which has been kind of fun. <laughs> but sometimes, and I know in my life, through the times that God has been moving me around and different things, there are times where I did have an arrogant look at life. 
Like this is, I even evaluated, is the fact of being a pastor. Am I arrogant about just needing to be a pastor and that's what I wanted my identity as, as a pastor? Look at me, I have the word pastor in front of my name. Paul in Ephesians 5, 16 through 17 says, Making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Here Paul is telling us to redeem the time and the days by seeking the will of God, not one's own will and desires. We need to make sure that we aren't acting arrogantly in our life as we make decisions. Even to this day, it's, I can't remember how many times I, I'm thinking about even just something small. And I'm talking to my dad about something small, and he's like, did you pray about it? Did you pray about it? Did you pray about it? I'm like, Dad, stop telling me to pray about it. <laughs> we need to make sure that we aren't living arrogantly because life is short and it is like a vapor. And kids always love to see what a vapor looks like during this time of year, right? They're out there and they're going, blowing out in the air, right? Um, It's amazing how fast that goes away. Um, That's our life. We're just here for a very short amount of time. And here in verse 14, he's saying, you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, instead of saying, this is what I'm going to do, even though I don't know what's going to happen, he says, instead, do this. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. And so, the third thing here is the acknowledgement of a God-sufficient attitude. A God-sufficient attitude. When we think about God's sufficiency in our lives, when we think about God taking care, see, God will take care of us. God does have a plan for us. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34, Christ is speaking there in his Sermon on the Mount, and he says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink. He goes through and says, don't be worried about what, what you're going to put on, what you're going to wear. Don't be worried about the food. He's like, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, are, are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? He jumps down, verse 30, but if God clothes, so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what we will drink, or what we will wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all things. And what does he say? Don't worry about all this stuff. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow where will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We should be encouraged knowing that God is there with us every step of the way. 
life is short, but as we think about living in, in a righteous way, if you think about how he's using this here to... That's sweet. As he's looking here, my, <laughs> the one thing I feared just happened. My surface just went blank. So I'm going to do this without notes. Um, but instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All it is, is you boast in your, arro your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him it is sin. When we choose to do life our own way, when we choose to go about life and, and seeking to do it our own way, what we come to find is that the wickedness of our self-sufficient attitude. James here goes from being positive in the sense of that if instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that, we need to live according to God's will. We need to live according as God wants us to live. And you say, well, I don't, well, we know that in Scripture there are statements that God makes that says how we are to live. It doesn't give the nitty-gritty that a lot of times we want to know, but he gives us plenty of principles of how to live that we can apply to the areas of our life. But then James comes down to verse 16 and says, Now, but as it is, this, you aren't doing that. You aren't asking God, what, what do you will? Rather, you are boasting in your arrogance saying that you think you've got it figured out. And he's saying this kind of boasting, this kind of arrogance that thinks that we have life figured out, that we can live life the way we want to live, that that is evil. It is sinful. It is wicked. And the verse that so many of us know, then he comes to and says, Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. You know, there are things that we, ways that we sin that are just overtly sin. And there are things that, that there's the sins of commission and omission. Things that we, we sin by not doing and we sin by doing. And James here is looking at them and saying, listen, you are boasting in your arrogance. You're arrogant thinking that you have it figured out, that life is going to work the way you want it to work. And that's not it. Again, he's not condemning them for wanting to make a profit. He's not condemning them for working hard. He's condemning for them for doing it in their own arrogance and their own pride. Life is short. And we need to do things the way God wants us to do. And so when it comes to making a decision of, of our daily activities, my question is, are you making God the center of that decision? And I would say that our, is the church the center of those decisions? God has called us to serve one another. And we know that God has called us to do it. He has commanded us to do it. 
My question for us, are there things in our lives that we are, in essence, boasting and, and living according to our own thinking? Saying, I, I, this is how I think life should be. This is what I, I think I should do. But if, is it really something that God says you should do? Because he finishes this, therefore to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. How often do we find ourselves doing something that we know we shouldn't do? You know, as a dad, I hear the statement, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't realize I did that. I didn't really mean it. Or, and, and you can name the excuse. I'm like, and I ask the question, did you know what you were doing? Yes. Well, then you were wrong. You sinned. Don't give me an excuse. You sinned. And when we know that God wants us to do something and we don't do it, it's sin. I know that's rocket science information for us this morning, this afternoon. But really, the, the challenge this, this afternoon is, is not... That, that complicated. Does our life revolve around what God wants? Life is short. And we need to stop living self-sufficiently and we just simply need to trust God. When you do what God wants you to do, wonderful things take place. And the best of all is that God is glorified. God is glorified. And so James, through this whole passage, has talked about the idea of living a repentant life, of, of not living according to our flesh and our pleasures and our own desires that wage war in our soul, that, that, bring, that cause quarrels and fightings. We're not to live according to the wisdom of the world, but the heavenly wisdom we're, we're, not, we're to, to be careful with our tongue if you want to even go further back. And here at the end of chapter 4, he says, Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Life is short. Stop living self-sufficiently and trust God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. Lord, I know the truth tonight, this afternoon, is, is very simplistic. And, and Lord, even when things don't technology-wise seem to work, Lord, I know you're working. Your word never returns void. And Lord, as simple as the truth is this afternoon, I pray that we would truly take stock of our lives. That we would truly to understand the motives behind why we do what we do. That we would realize that, that life is short. And you've called us to serve you. Lord, I pray that we would truly seek your wisdom, your understanding, that we would place all of our faith in you and understanding in you. We would allow you to do